Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Red Men Weekly podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Yeah, we bring you on the show the best clips from our Red Men Plus content, just to let you all know, as I always do on this show, if you want these shows in their entirety, either in video or indeed in podcast form, simply head on over to redmenplus.com. And if you sign up as a yearly club captain and use the code weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y, you'll save yourself 20% on that deal as well. So rather than paying 50 quid for the year, you'll only pay 40. So 40 quid for an entire year's content, which is an absolute bargain. We're giving it away. I mean, it's less than a quid a week. Absolute crazy we're doing that. But we are because we love you guys and we want to share the love of Liverpool around the globe with you. Right then, how do you share the love about Liverpool? It usually comes when Liverpool have won a game of footy and away game as well. A rarity for the Reds, but that's exactly what they did when they beat Leeds on Monday night at Ellen Row. Thankfully, the day after, we had Steve Plunkett, we had Jamie Cranford and we had Sam Walker in to discuss that game. So yeah, here's a clip from this week's final word show. A much maligned player in our team and quite often, rightly so, for, for languid football, for lazy lazy football at times for a lack of defensive positioning which which wasn't in the team for and Sam raises his eyes to heaven and I get that I've long told rival fans that that at the start of the season Trent's remit for Jürgen Klopp was to go and challenge Kevin De Bruyne for assists not Aaron Wan-Vissaka for slide challenges there's the yeah, difference yeah the rest of the world needs to get onto that. Klopp's actually said it in an interview himself that that's why he's in the team if we concede goals there you let me worry about that mm. we don't dig Trent out for it Manchester City recently put John Stones into an inverted defensive midfield position to sit alongside Rodri and it's worked, paid dividends for them. John Stones is an accomplished centre-back who can use a ball well in terms of giving it simple, the right pass at the right time to set things off. In doing the same with Trent, and I'm going to go big on this one, this this guy uses a football like no one else. No one else? Like no one else. Ridiculous, the, the skill set the guy's got. First time passes, the, the range of passing... The awareness, he really showed up last night every time that we had the ball. He was in position to receive the ball all the time, mm. popped it off and often took a little knock for doing it. That was a totally different trend in that position last night because he had the freedom to run the game. I, I, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I thought Trent controlled that game last night for Liverpool mm. for an hour. He was controlling the game. This could be a tactical nuance that, that Klopp incorporates that makes Trent the best in the world at that position. We talked about him being the best in the world from right back because of his creative side of his game, not necessarily the defensive side of his game. This is totally different because there's been reference that Canate will cover the space behind him. Depending on who we recruit in the summer to play in midfield, if it's another three, then then good bit of communication sees someone do what Henderson did, which is go and sit in the space that's been yeah, vacated. Yeah. Trent was absolutely magnificent last night. I watch him use a ball. We, we sit here and we... we, we Wax lyrical about Thiago's on the ball skills. Thiago will play three or four passes in the game, which you sit there and you, you scratch your head and go, who's that to? Because he overhits one by 50 yeah. yards. He forces his passes into feet. With 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 Trent, it was abs- it's an absolutely natural position for him. Yeah. His awareness of his teammates around him. Sam, he's got every single pass in the locker. There isn't anything he can't do. He can hit the long balls out wide to Robertson, which we've seen time yeah. and time again. He can play the outside of the right boot first timers down the line to Salah. We've seen that. Jota away at Arsenal in the League Cup. That got that was a very similar pass yeah. to the one last night into Nunes. Got everything in his locker, mate. I'm really excited about this. Listen, and also I think what what 
I want to talk a little bit about his position because I think that I think this has been a long time coming. I'll explain why in a minute. But in terms of the goals, I mentioned before about the old Liverpool. The Nunes goal last night and the Nunes goal at Newcastle is the new Liverpool. It's Trent tucking into a space and clipping the ball over the last line of defence to an ongoing running striker. Nobody's been able to really do that before. Well, listen, the odd time you might have seen Henderson Thiago do it, but in reality, that's an elite ball and it's got to be weighted perfectly, which means we don't really try it. It's, 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 it's vertical as well. It's not with a bit of angle on it it's a, it's a straight ball curled in so I think that's the kind of goal that you might see more of in the future which I think is amazing in terms of trends we, 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 this has been the plan I think all season I think that, I, I know we talk about John Stones and, and all that but the difference with John Stones doing it now is that City haven't got a right back and it's been something they've had to develop so John Stones is playing right back here in the season without doing that we tried it at the beginning of the season. We weren't able to do it properly because Canate wasn't fit and Henderson wasn't fit for a while. So so although Trent was tucking in, he was having to tuck in further up the pitch. He wasn't able to tuck in immediately because we didn't have Canate. Then Gomez isn't in the form and Matip can't do it. So I think this is something Klaus has been trying to do for a while but because this season's been absolutely chaotic. We've got no injuries to senior players now. None. Pachetic and Ramsey are senior players as much as we appreciate them or especially Pachetic. I think we've been trying to do this for a while, and I think now we're seeing the fruits of it. You know, I, you know, was it was it um, Southgate tried them centre mid once? It was just yeah. a mere away at somewhere crap. But I think I totally agree with you. I think Trent's got every pass in the book, and I think this could be Liverpool beyond Thiago. Or if we haven't got Thiago in the side, we're not lacking that creativity because you've got Trent in there. I mean, God knows what they both could do if they're both in form for a while, but. I think that's where we might move to if Thiago isn't going to be a starting player expected to start every game next year when he's fit is that having Trent in there might replicate what Thiago does but with a bit more flexibility and you can still have three more midfielders who can do different roles. I agree. Um, totally right. And what Trent is really good at if you go and spend the time looking at the stats Trent's an interceptor. He's always been a great interceptor. He's, he leads the stats on interceptions. He's in the top three or four in European football for interceptions. That's his game. He's in a great position to do that. Really interesting, uh, Jamie, that Sam mentioned Stefan Bersetic in his, his summary there. That would be a player that would be equally adept at covering that space that he leaves because yeah. that boy started his life as a centre-back and he's become a centre-midfielder. So his first thought naturally is, what's the worst thing that can happen here? Well, he's advanced to me, so I need to cover his space. What we could see in a slightly different format and a slightly different shape is a chemistry developing in our midfield where... We've got that cover. We've got that fluid midfield that's really difficult to get through that we had with the three that, that you know formed all that success. Yeah, I, I mean it's a, it's funny that there's been this debate, hasn't there, of oh right back or central midfield? Like what about both at the same <laughs> yeah. time? You know, as long as we Bacetic cut, that's a good point actually. And I think ironically, sometimes I think Trent's first I can never say the, these two words first thought. <laughs> Is, no is attacking it's it's you know you, you, I always think like defenders need to have like a warning siren going off in the which I don't think Albert Alberto Moreno ever had something was like I, there could be trouble here there could be trouble here I feel like Trent his thing is how can I hurt the opposition which is a brilliant thing to, to have but as long as you've got someone there who can cover him um I've seen, I think, uh, yeah, there's been, I think, Lam did this a bit under Guardiola and Kimmich has done it. But I think Trent has got the weapons that nobody else has in that. He's he's, he's got the weapons of a Pirlo or a Beckham or a Gerrard, you know, in terms of the passing ability. So I'm really looking after a, I was uh, screaming blue murder 20 minutes in against Arsenal going why are we trying this now we're, you know but after after that I I am really looking forward to seeing where this is going to go and we're going to get some midfield reinforcements I, I don't know how the chemistry is going to work but that's yeah as long as we've got Canate needs to stay fit cover, cover that right hand side I mean Gomez if he's fully confident, I'd maybe see doing that role. Sam was right. But, just just to interject, Sam was right. I think Gomez can play in those positions to cover yeah. because he is mobile. But it's confidence. You know, when only makes a mistake, he might as well bring him off because he gets his own, his own head in yeah. it. And then they come and like, botch loads of him, don't they? What was I thought was interesting last night to, to sort of come to a conclusion on the Trent piece and give him his credit because he, he's worth it is when he picked the ball, Leeds stood off him quite a lot. So he's controlling the game by the fact that what Leeds are doing is saying, this guy can kill us with his passing range. So what I'm going to do is, when Trent's on the ball, 
Garcia's obviously said when he picks up the ball, if they do that today, boys, that jaw man, that jaw man, that jaw man, that jaw man, do not allow those guys to be free because I don't want them found. That's mm-hmm. going to be the next evolution of that role. How do we circumnavigate when people allow Trent to have the ball and then the deep and try to shut down his options? I think that's the next thing for Liverpool to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where our recruitment in the summer comes in. If if we if we get a McAllister amount, you know, I'm just speculating here over the line, they're different players that can give you something different. And in Trent, you've got Sam, you've got someone who can find those players. Mm. Sort of their pass before the assist, the thing that the Bundesliga eulogised over Thiago for years, mate. And the pack and stats, which is what another thing yeah. that Keita is really good at. Yeah, I think movement is the answer to that question as well, which which comes into what you say. One of the great things about Keita is he likes to drift left, which helps Robbo and also supports Robbo and helps the left winger because then they can invert and do what they do. I think having players who do that, it'll be it'll be really important. I think do you know do you know last night Trent had the second most touches in a game of football from an individual player this year. And bearing in mind how many how many of the lower teams City have probably played at home and they've just give the ball to Rodri every two seconds. But it was 153 touches, I believe, that the second most touches in the Premier League this season by an individual player. Amazing. I wouldn't be surprised if he beats that in, in a couple of the home games yeah. this season. I think he's a wonderful player. I'm really excited to see how this develops. I'm intrigued to see if Liverpool actually go big on a centre half this year. So we've got two Canates, who knows? But I think um I, I really yeah, I think what that does and seeing this squad fully fit now with a little run, little little something to, something to go for, you know, come on, get back in this race, guys. I'm intrigued to see who who stakes their claim because I also believe that well, as much as I, th- I think the summer business is kind of well underway, I think there's a couple of players who are on the fence with Klopp. Like you might be looking at Fabinho, Thiago, Curtis, and thinking you've got nine games now to prove to me that you still be part of my next evolution of this team. So I think I'm really intrigued to see how Trent goes, how those little relationships build between him and the, the aforementioned, because I think that could be a big part of our of what when we actually get to pull on the trigger. You know, who knows? Maybe we do go back for Bellingham because Trent's that good that we do think we need one or two as opposed to two or three. You know, who knows? Cheers to Steve, cheers to Sam and cheers to Jamie for that one. Hope you enjoyed it and yeah, thankfully Liverpool actually won a game. Let's hope they can do it when playing Nottingham Forest on Saturday. Moving on then, next up, it is time for the Biased Football Podcast. It was Paul Machen, Chris Pajak, Steve Plunkett and myself. We had a big old chat about what's going on around the Premier League. You know, the, the rise of Aston Villa, what's going on at Tottenham, what's going on at Chelsea, the relegation battle and tons, tons more, including this clip where we spoke about Arsenal are they, quote-unquote, bottling what's going on with Mikel Arteta's team? We had a big old chat about the current league leaders and can they hold on to that position? It was really interesting to see. New, uh, Arsenal almost totally wiped the floor with them, almost ready to walk away with it. Could have been a, a cricket score. Doesn't go that way. They get a bit overconfident, a bit complacent. And and then, obviously, they, they, they do throw it away to, to draw two all. It reminded me, I made this point on Last Fan Standing this week, Chris, is that Arteta are 2 0 up. He doesn't need to win 3 0. Mm. And he doesn't need to win 4 0. He should probably just go, all right, lads, we're fine here. But they, this is the problem where they're at in their development. They haven't learned that gear yet. And Liverpool had to do it after 17 18. Klopp's all, I remember sitting down with him at the end of the season. He was like, goals win your games, defences win your titles. And that became their mission statement was to get get our defence sorted. I don't think Arsenal. I think Arsenal are kind of doing that thirteen fourteen Liverpool thing where they're flying, they're running before they've actually learned. They've before they've gone. Well, game the management comes with experience and and age of players and their experience in the game and stuff, doesn't it? You, you saw most of the second half in that game, and you know West Ham tramps them. They beat them in the trenches, type of thing, didn't they? And they gave them a bloody nose, and they and they wanted it more. Quite frankly, uh, that's what it felt like to me anyway. And also got really nice football, the, the tactically brilliant and stuff like that. But they haven't had to learn the hard way how to manage a game yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I might I disagree though. I think I think the other way around. I think they should have went for three, four, five. I think that's where they failed. I don't th- that's the strength of their team is they're attacking. Mm-hmm. I think it was the I think it was the if this was easy and not being ruthless. But that's we're, that's neither or is it? That's the problem. You're right. They, they, they've, they've. They, I, I think they should have. You know, West Ham were there to be beat. I think you need to when learn. When you've got someone down, mate, I think you need to learn. I think you need to learn as, as a team how to manage a game. I yeah. think it's massively important. You can you can blow teams away all you want. Liverpool have blown teams away this season, but we don't manage games well. 
and we are where we are because we've not managed games yeah, well the starter course... games the starter second halves when we've been in the leads and all that type of stuff so for them yeah you're right their attacking prowess is what what makes them really good but you've also got to rest those players and he hasn't been resting those players because he's used has been injured and stuff like that so you've got to make changes and you've got to learn how to when you can't make all them changes you've just got to go Take five. I think if you don't I need think to if run you, here, but if you score the thirds, it's a balance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You score the thirds, you stand on the front and you kill. That's how you kill them. What is interesting is like when Jorginho scored that goal, remember it bounced off fucking Emmy Martinez's head and went in, and they had the the win against Bournemouth. Like this is real title challenging form for Marcel. Like yeah, but that's the kind of thing you want in April. You don't. Yeah. They, yeah, they, it's they, a bit they, early. It's a bit early for that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. now they looked against West Ham. At two all, they didn't look like I know I know they missed the pen, obviously the, the Saka thing, but like they didn't look like they were gonna hurt West Ham. They looked like and against us, they were hanging on. They didn't look like they had legs to go and like that might go to your point, Chris. It felt like they went to the you know, that the the break they were already showing signs, but they were getting through it by big moments. Yeah. That that when those moments stop when that ball doesn't Emmy Martinez on the head and go in, you draw to all twice, you know. When what it goes mean? back to game experience, it's like like the boxing analogy of stuff is that if you're trying to knock your opponent out, it's class. Knock but there's gonna reach a point in a fight where you're like, I'm as likely to get knocked out as, as you, he you, is. You can be eight rounds behind. Yeah. By the time you get you get anywhere near, you can be tired by the time you can't throw the knockout punch anymore. Yeah. And so you're thinking, well, this is going this is going the distance. I've just got to make sure I get to the final bell. Here, and that's the kind of thing where the state's going to be interested to see whether whether Arteta can manage that because right now what's happened is they're trying to continue to be themselves and that's now two two goal leads they've thrown away in back to back games. First time in history or something sort of like okay. a team has mm. not won. Well, they're, they're one of two front real front foot teams and and ironically he learned his trade from the manager of the other front foot team. You can level the same criticism at City when teams come at them physically and, and, and have like the wind in their sails and their tails are up and all those types of comments. Um, they struggle with that. You can get it, City. You can overpower City and you can overpower Arsenal. We overpowered Arsenal. That second half performance at Anfield was blood and thunder as well as a bit of technical ability and graft. But it was about we smell blood and we want it more. And you could say the same to West Ham. That's that's both Guardiola's Achilles heel and is going to prove to be Arsenal's Achilles heel. How you dig it, the trenches comment Chris made, how you dig in and stop those things from happening. Neither club can do it. Yeah. And and that's that's going to be the... Whoever does he, it the best yeah. is going to win the title. I, I know he did well against those, mate, but the goal, he's not that good. I keep saying it. Like, mm-hmm. He's not that good. He was He, had, he made some... Two excellent saves against Liverpool, and he's got that in his locker. But I think he's all right. Uh, he's, no, he's, 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 he's a good he's goal. Good. He's not a world class. Yeah, goal. he's good, but he's not. He, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I think Arsenal should attack because I don't think I don't think any of their defensive players or the goalkeeper are of a standard where you can invite teams onto. Well, they are. You know what I mean? I, I don't they, think they, they they're not going to manage. We Liverpool weren't great at managing games, and then they got Alisson and Virgil van Dijk, and all of a sudden well, they're the managing point. games. They're missing Saliba, and they're playing Rob yeah. Holden at centre half. Yeah, that, and they haven't got. They've got Ramsdale in goal. Uh, is just and then again you made a but they're still playing Granit Xhaka every week, who is just he's like he's like Dejan Lovren of midfield. He's more than good enough to play apart from games where you need to have a perfect mentality and he doesn't have a perfect mentality, so he'll explode and he'll cost you he'll cost you in stupid moments. And that's what, again they are a team that are well ahead of the curve and that's to be commended and lauded and it might be just enough for them to just on pure electricity get over the line. But I'm looking at it now. And looking at the, you know, first and foremost, looking at the league table, the gap's down to four points. City have got a game in hand and they've still got to play Arsenal. Yeah. And their games, in terms of what Arsenal have got coming up, they've got Southampton Friday night football at home. So lucky that that's gone that way because they then play City, as you say, at the Etihad. If that City game was next, I would be Arsenal are, this is like on the ropes a bit punch drunk because they've not kept the guard up. They've tried to go for the knockout blow and left themselves a little bit open. They might touch lucky here and just get themselves, stabilise themselves with a win against Southampton. But then they've got City away. They've got Chelsea at home, which is obviously three guaranteed points. Newcastle away, Brighton at home. They're in danger, aren't they, Arsenal, at the moment? I can't remember what era Liverpool it was, but when we used to lose those leads all the time, and you get into that lead and you start thinking to yourself, fucking hell, need to be perfect now. Like, there's a, like two games on the bounce. Like that point against us was a, you know, it wasn't two points dropped against us. It was a point gained against us in yeah. the end. Yeah. It was a, it, that, that, they should have been using that as that the mentality was 
we got we we gained the point there. Fucking hell, we should have lost that game in the end. Not that we lost the two goals thing. The West Ham one felt slightly different because it's compounded by the Liverpool one as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree on that one. Um, inevitable talk of bottling and all that kind of stuff. Nah, I'm not into that. I don't. I think they're running out of steam. I don't think they're bottling it. I think they. 13, 14 Liverpool might be apt. I think they're probably a little bit better than that if Trooper talk, but without the star power. Liverpool's 13, 14 probably have more world class players in it. But do you just look knackered again? Do you look. If, if, I don't know. Who, who, who's your game changer? Do you got to, I remember the boat, you know, they bring Reese Nelson on, he scores that goal, and we're all yeah. thinking it's McKayder esque. Yeah. But like, there's no real game changer. Like, you're looking at your bench, City are going, right, there's Alvarez, deal with him. You know, if you really need to, or something like that, mm. Arsenal haven't really got that yet because. The eleven's the eleven. The the losing a couple. They lose Saliba, which was a big blow, and then all of a sudden Rob Holdings playing. That's a big. That's a drop off in itself. Huge. There's, 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 you know, they've got Saka and Martinelli, but then if they don't, I, I like Trossard. They, they, good, they've but... kind of dovetailed quite well. Martinelli, Saka, Jesus, and Ketia when he was needed yeah, earlier yeah. on in the season. And Trossard's been all right for them. Trossard's but... got a few assists and stuff as well. Yeah. But at the back and in midfield in particular, you're looking at thinking. They look like they look tired. Yeah, who's who's your game changing sub? Who's going to come on and just win you, get you get you over the line? And this one, like you know, we had Divock for example. Just a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Can you get? Or like when Liverpool were really flying last season, Jota comes on or Diaz comes on in Villarreal when you're up against them, and there's, there's your game changer. It felt that too all the other day. Arsenal, if they, if they had just one more big hitter to throw on and just go and win them that game, and they didn't really have it. And like I say, going back to those other games, the, the you know the Bournemouth and the Villa, they, maybe they were precursors. Because against those, the team looks shattered. But they've, they've, they've also, really... let's not forget that when you're at the top, teams play you differently. Now, early on in the season, you're at the top of the table. Yeah, are Arsenal the real deal or are they just going a good run? You probably err on good run. Now there's more tape of what they're doing. They've seen more ways of teams that have done well against them. You know, Mourinho, how many times did Mourinho show the blueprint for us and how to make it yeah. difficult for yeah. us? Like that that's what they're finding that that's a difficult thing to get over when teams change the play. Yeah, and, and I think this is what's gonna make the, the end of the season most interesting, particularly in that top from the title and the and the top four race, is the teams that have been there and done it before, will they get themselves into a situation where that experience will count? And I did it before and Villarreal was mentioned there. I remember me and Steve being in that game and I remember saying to you at half time, This is big this because they've got something to lose now. It was great decline. They got themselves in the game. Fantastic crowd are all behind it. But now it's like every time we put a shot across their bow, they're going to be shitting themselves because the game's not done. It's all well and good. If you do, if you score the goals in the last minute and win it, then that's fine. But with 45 minutes or whatever to play, and now Arsenal are going to be in that situation where they've got a, they've got City hunting them down and they are tired and the, the minutes in, in so many of them legs. And you look at Manchester City and think, and Haaland had the winter off and they, they played what two pre-season games so that they could end load you know so they had something left in the tank City, by the end City and Newcastle are the same as this as City, well City rest the gun the one the other day and because of where City are and where they've been in the last five years City are currently sitting in autopilot we know how to do this Arsenal are going through an emotional roller coaster. yeah and and that is more tiring than playing games of football. Yeah, so yeah. so so they've been to the rinsed twice, to two holes and like two defeats to them. Yeah. That's how they're they looking at the it. Sorry, they missed the pen. Bowen scores, and then Arsenal subs in that game. They brought on Jorginho, Trossard, Nelson, Vieira, and Ketia. The bench, the options were there was no one else. <laughs> City were uh, uh, playing. They rested Gundogan. Now City brought a couple of young kids on, but they had the options of other players. I mean, Alvarez comes on, but Akanji comes on, who's been really good for them. And also the level of City starting eleven is better, mm-hmm. so that that's that's unfortunate. Yeah. Arsenal are finding out City are a juggernaut, and mm-hmm. they, 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 this time of the season, and I'm going to say it now, this is where the financial doping irregularities come into play. When your team is shattered and you're on your arse and you look at your bench for so, they're changing two forwards as a midfielder every game. Can you can. What, what can you do? Yeah. And with all your Arsenal are going right, we need a goal. Eddie and Ketty again. But you're on a wing and a prayer at that point, aren't you? Where look at the subs Liverpool brought on yesterday: Thiago, Nunes, Fabinho, Firmino. Arsenal haven't got that at the yeah, minute. And this is where this is like you know. You put uh, short distance runners up against long distance runners, yeah. and you know, all you know, at this point of the season, this point in a long race, you know, you, you can be the fastest one out the blocks to, to all you want, 
But now City are now, you know, it takes them a little while to warm up and find their stride, but they're just in cruising. Everything's really? going their way. And Arsenal, again, I really go, Jesus Christ, this hurts. My legs hurt, my back hurts, I'm tired here. I'm starting to misstep a little bit and I'm losing my stride and there's just this relentless running machine coming up behind Psychologically, it's got to be easier to have someone in front of you to, to aim yeah. your targets at than to run looking over your shoulder all the time. That being said, sorry, we've had this argument in the past is that we'd always rather be the team ahead of City than the team chasing City. Of course, it's that because more... of how good at it they are. No, but yeah. like, to take your long distance thing, I think long distance running is just it. You better lose the guy with a fast finish. Before you get to the fucking end, though, because you know the city are on your shoulder. If you haven't lost them by the fucking last lap, you're done. Yeah, you're done, and that's what it feels like with Manchester City now. But what I will say on Guardiola and the Arteta thing is there is a golfing class between those two managers, and I think you might be starting to see that more towards the end of the season. You know, you got 15 years of experience at the top, winning European cups, Premier Leagues, all kinds of trophies in between. When Guardiola and Arteta last faced each other in the City Arsenal game. Both teams went with the box midfield. Half time, I think I'm right in saying Arsenal went ahead in that game, aren't I? Half time, I think it was, or maybe it was at the end of the first half. Guardiola changed it to go four four two, and they end up winning game three one, was yeah, it? In yeah, the Bernardo Silva left back first. Yeah, sure. yeah, he was doing. It was box midfield. Bernardo Silva in there, and he changed it and just went to a four four two and beat Arsenal. That's a really that, good point. That might be the fucking thing. Like Arteta's got Guardiola's blueprint. But he ain't got the magic. Yeah. He ain't the guy who came what? up with this. He hasn't got the stands of the player. That, that is, is such a good player. point because there's three or four managers in world football that can change a game on the fly while it's happening and Arteta isn't one of them. Yet. Also, the, the, Matt, by the way, yeah, yeah, there's a huge Earl and Harlan thing on this as well. Like, that, it's, that, it's our, when you're looking at behind you, it's a bit like, we're a bit like swimming when Jaws is behind you. Mm. And, you know, do it, and you feel it coming and all of a sudden, here's a fella who's just equal most Mo No legs. Yeah, most Salah's record has <laughs> just been equal with eight games to go. And I, I, I maintain City 1 to 10 aren't as good as the cities we were playing against, but they've got the fella up front who just fucking is the best finisher I've ever seen. He's, he's an absolute freak of nature, and that's terrifying. Arsenal, I, I've, I spoke to a couple of Arsenal fans last week, actually. Uh, sorry, Monday, yesterday. And they were like, How did you do this? Yeah. I was like, Yeah, it's hard. It's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting. The pressure on you, because you know. They're going to win. Yeah. You just know they're going to uh, win. Absolutely. And they've not been there before, have they? And we know it. We recognize it. We've lived it. It's horrible. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Cheers to Paul and everyone else, including me for that one. I'm sure you enjoyed that bit of a conversation. Right next up, it's another show featuring me. It is Jano Inside Time. I had Neil Jones from gold.com in the studio to talk about all the latest news around Liverpool football, but mainly transfer stuff as we head towards the summer, which is hopefully going to be a very busy one for Liverpool. The latest name on the lips of everybody is Bayern Munich's Ryan Gravenberch. And yeah, Neil wrote about him on Wednesday. I had Neil in on Wednesday. Worked out to perfection. So yeah, what's going on with Ryan Gravenberch? What's going on with Liverpool's interest in him? Best way to find out is to ask Neil Jones. So I did exactly that. Let's move on to the transfers you wrote this morning, which was Andy, about Ryan Gravenberch <laughs> as well. Um, for those who don't know, over the weekend, Jonathan Northcroft reported in the Sunday Times that Liverpool had met with Gravenberg's father, who's also called Ryan, just for the clarity, um, in Amsterdam to discuss a potential deal and the player is receptive to a, a move from here. So you wrote that in your piece today, so head over to Gold as well to uh, check it out. I'll bring it up here now on the screen for those who are watching along. So your your story on the back of it, Liverpool's due Bellingham alternative, question mark. By Munich, Brian Gravenberg could be part of, of Jürgen Klopp's midfield solution. Um, he's one of the summer targets and you, you want, you know, about he has already met with Liverpool, I think the, the major talking points around this one, Neil, really, is a look like Liverpool are interested, but maybe Bayern don't want to yeah, sell. That, is, that, is that where we're at? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's where the, the sort of the balance is. I mean, 
he's he a year ago this would have been this I think I think the, the, the Twitter world probably would have been in in absolute sort of excitement at Liverpool. You know, he was he was a real hot prospect, wasn't he, coming through at Ajax? Um, Liverpool had come up against them in the in the Champions League. I do remember him sort of being really classy and impressive, especially over in Amsterdam. It, I know it was a the pandemic season and it was sort of a little bit of a forgettable year, really. But I do remember him. They, they had a few players that you know, kudos. Uh, went off injured in the game early, but there, there was a lot of talk about him. There was a lot of talk about um, Gravenberg. I think Timber possibly played as well, and you know there was there was sort of this exciting young Ajax team with Eric Ten Hag, and he he did stand out. He went to Bayern Munich, and I think a lot of people looked at that and thought, oh, they've got a good in there, good price. I think it was eighteen million euros with some add-ons. Um, but he hasn't worked out. He hasn't. He just hasn't been able to get in the team, has he? And it's sort of one of those. Well, what what would you give more weight to? The 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 Ajax the Ajax talent or the Bayern Munich failure? And you know, Liverpool have had some success with not worrying about the, the failure part. You know, Mo Salah at Chelsea or you know Gini Wijnaldum being relegated, Andy Robertson being relegated. You know, doubts over maybe Sadio Mane and things like that. They've they've been able to sort of say, well, no, but the, the player, the actual player, is. He's he's that and he's that and he's got this and if we get him in this system he can do that. So I think they they definitely see a potential opportunity. I think the player clearly has some concerns over whether he's going to play. He's only started one Bundesliga game this season. He hasn't started the game at all. I think since November the first, which was in the Champions League, and that was a dead rubber. And then Bayern Munich are going to sign Conrad Leimer, which obviously we've talked about. Quite a while on this show. I think it was last summer. We we were talking about that happening. It's not. It doesn't point to it to sort of your your time is coming, does it? You know, it doesn't point to the idea of right. We're gonna now we're gonna start trusting you. Um, it points that it's gonna get even harder from from here to get into the side. So I think he's he's seeing that the wind blowing that direction. But Bayern got a good deal. Bayern got him for. Much less than I think the market price, market value probably was, or, or, or logic dictates that it, it was. Why would they? Why would they sell him sort of so cheap again after only one year? He's only twenty, twenty one next month. He, you know he's got potential. I think maybe they might see. Well, no. Why would we? Why would we give away an asset at this at this point? They're not soft Bayern Munich. They don't they don't do silly things in the transfer market very often. Um, so I think that's where I think that's the big decision really. I think the player would quite like to leave or would be open to leave. And I think Liverpool would certainly be open to signing him, especially if the price was decent. But I think it all rests on really on Bayern Munich. And I've seen some some reports in Germany already that quite firm reports saying he's not for sale. We'll see if that changes, but that's the sort of the inkling you're getting from Liverpool is not buy, I might not sell him. Oh, but Liverpool, obviously, I think it's been pretty well established. Yeah, there's been a conversation with his agent or his dad, or both. Yeah, same both. fella. Uh, yeah, same fella. Um, like, would that happen if they, if they, because if they was just, if, yeah, if they were just, I don't think it's just Liverpool. Who, I, I think that's his agent is obviously trying to get him out. Rafael, Rafael Pimenta, who, who's um, Mino Raiola took over from. He she took over from Mino Raiola, so. There's a there's a, a history of the agent will always meet with clubs and there'll, there'll be a lot probably a lot of players on 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 the sort of agenda but I don't I don't think it's sort of meeting with Ryan Gravenberg's dad to sort of say right this is the house he's going to live in this is you know I, I think it's it's a little bit more sort of does he fancy him generally you what's the situation you know how's he feel what's he thinking you know okay what what do you think it would take to, to you know for buying to to sell or, or you know I mean it could come down to is he willing to is he willing to sort of make it awkward for Bayern and, and sort of put, put it on their toes and say, well, I, I want out. I, I, I want to, you know, potentially. Um, so, and I think there's other clubs as well. Obviously, Arsenal, Arsenal, I think, are, are looking for midfielders. And I think, of course, Manchester United looking for midfielders. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, if, if if Chelsea get wind that there's a transfer going on anywhere in the world, I think there he is prick up and they'll, they'll have a bit of that. So, um, there's a few few other clubs as well that will be in the mix. I think 
the the thing to say about it is he's a potentially a very good player available for potentially a pretty good price, and that would certainly have to win, in, you know, interest Liverpool in in that sense. And we'll see. You know, I haven't I haven't been told that this sort of it's getting it's close or he's the one or he's the, the, the button's been pushed on this one and that's that's the one. But I think he's definitely one of them who's in the frame and I'm, I'm one to keep an eye on, for sure. I suppose from a Liverpool fan's point of view, those who want us to sign a player, of course, um, the encouraging one is, and it's been it is in your report and a few others as well, it's like the player's receptive to the move. Yeah. Liverpool haven't gone to speak to his agent, he's got no chance of my signing. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. He'd quite, he would, it looks like he, if, if he could get something done with Bayern, he'd be up for it, essentially. Yeah, That's I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, you know, there's other other angles, isn't there? There's there's obviously the Gakpo signed um, Van Dijk's there, so he's got the, the little Dutch core, Pep Linders, of course, as well. So, you know, I, I, I'd be amazed if there haven't been some some sort of you know discussions there, or um, at least a little bit of a character reference from 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 those players about what he's like and that kind of thing. Um, but he's yeah, he's not playing football. Is he's twenty years of age? He's played close to a hundred games. I think he played for Ajax. He's played at the World Cup. He's been, he's been part of the Netherlands World Cup squad. He's he's, he's an international player. He's played in the Champions League and now he's playing. You know, he's played twenty odd games, I think, for Bayern this season, but but four starts. That's not not where he where he thought he was going to be, is it? Not where he not where he wants to be at twenty twenty one. I think he wants to be developing into a player that's, you know, being talked about. Maybe not like a Jude Bellingham, but not far off that kind of reputation. He certainly had the he had the build up as a teenager and as a young as a young player coming through Ajax. He was compared with all kinds, you know, Frank Reichard and. Paul Pogba and you know these kind of players that absolute sort of top level players. That's where he wanted to get to, isn't it? And at the moment he's not getting there at Bayern Munich. So yeah, he, of course he he would be looking and saying, well, what's out there for me? You know, is there a club? Is there a manager? Is there a team that can can get me back on the on the you know the upward trajectory if you like? And you know Liverpool are a pretty good example of that, aren't they? Liverpool have done it for some players. You know there were players, you know who weren't obvious signings, like I've, I mentioned a few obviously earlier, but even even sort of Diogo Jota, you know, you're looking at yeah, potentially uh, Cody Gakpo might be one of those, Luis Diaz, they, 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 weren't, they weren't players that you said, oh God, like that was just, that was always going to work out perfectly for Liverpool, wasn't it? You know, Gini Wijnaldum, like Liverpool have got a good track record of, if if you get in our team and we 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 can build the team around you that can make you look really really good and get you back playing at you know the highest level, <laughs> obviously it would really really help them. I think if they were doing it from a Champions League point of view and they were getting in there, uh, we haven't even talked about that that race. Maybe that's maybe we'll have a look after the Forest and the West Ham games at that one. Um, but that they are they are still an attractive proposition for a player who maybe maybe has. I won't say come off the rails, but it has sort of had the difficult bump in the road. You know, makes me... Wow. The studio's falling apart. Wow. A sign saying boss has just fell down. Yeah. Okay. That could be, a, could be a, an omen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so... But Mason Mount, we talk about Mason Mount in a similar situation, don't we? Sort of had a, had a difficult season, kind of, kind of change the scenery, change, change his sort of trajectory of his career. I think Gravenberch is even more sort of in, in that category because he's he's played so little football in the last twelve months. So I think if Liverpool could get, you know, a deal with Bayern, I think of course he'd I think I think he'd jump at it to be perfectly honest. A couple of things then before we move on from him, just to, again. Why do you think it has what, what, what I know Bayern, like for example, who's in front of him already? So you took you Joshua Kimmich, Kimmich and Musiala. And then sometimes Thomas Muller's played in, yeah. in the midfield. He, They've used Alfonso Davis in the midfield. So you've got great players, I get it. But Nagelsmann signed him by signing him and never picked him. Yeah. He's gone as a new manager and we all, it's early days on Thomas Tuchel and apparently he's a fan and he's been talking him up a little bit as now. But it's whether they've decided he's just not that good or he just needed a, he needed a year like Liverpool have done this with players. Not so long, but like you know, Fabinho wasn't in Liverpool's team straight away yeah. and then and then he became it. Like, what is there any sense of what Bayern are doing? Have they just did he not rate him, or is it a case of like he just needs to work on it? Because well, he hasn't played. No, uh, but it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a few in that camp. I mean, there's a there's a very obvious one in in, in Sadio Mane at the moment, who's who's Champions. signed in the summer. You know, just hasn't yeah. hasn't been able to do it. Xiao Cancelo signed in, in January and sort of 
they haven't yet found a way of getting him into the team. Have they? You know, uh, they, they actually signed another guy from Ajax at the same time, Masrawi, fullback. Who I think he's played even less than Gravenberg, or, or certainly not not much. I mean, I, I don't know whether it's maybe maybe it's just a a difficult system to to get under. You know, at Bayern, you know, they they they've had a lot of. I mean, a lot of those players that you mentioned there, I mean, Kimmich, Goretzka, Thomas Muller, Alfonso Davis, you know, obviously, um, you know, Gnabry and Coleman, they've been there a long time, haven't they? And they're sort of very well established. And maybe it is difficult to just sort of get to, to, to get a new player right into that team straight away. Um, obviously, I mean, they're good players as well, the ones that are keeping them out. They're not, they're not mugs. You know, Kimmich is one of the best around. Goretzka's obviously had been, been a big player for Bayern. Musiala's one of the elite talents, you know, of, of of world football, isn't he, for the young player? So he's not he, he's not sitting there twiddling his thumbs while while they're sort of playing people you've never heard of in there. He is he is having to wait. Maybe there's there's things on the player's side that he hasn't maybe done enough. I, I saw Tuchel sort of saying that he trains really well and that he, you know he's he's showing up in training and 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 that he he is a candidate now to play, which you know maybe works. Sometimes managers just don't fancy players, do they? Maybe Nagelsmann just didn't. He just wasn't wasn't what he thought he was. You know, we've seen, haven't we? We've seen players where you just think he's brilliant. Why is he not playing? And the manager like, he, he will he won't do the work off the ball, or he he doesn't get enough goals, or he doesn't track. You know, he, there's a reason for it. He doesn't link up well enough with the left back, or you know that kind of thing. So there will be there will be factors behind it, but I think it's it's how. I suppose it clearly hasn't put Liverpool off as it, it it isn't an idea that oh my god he's like he's the worst professional we've ever sort of hit, had in Munich you know he just doesn't try or you know that that sort of stuff would put a, a club off wouldn't it? it clearly hasn't so it must must just be a little bit of circumstance it maybe a little bit of sort of bad luck maybe a little bit of a, a personality clash with a manager or or, or you know a, a, not even a, not even necessarily a personality clash just a style sort of not gelling um but it might be interesting to see whether Bayern, you know, obviously they're probably going to go up the Champions League tonight, aren't they? So they've got a they've got a title running to focus on. See how how much he features in the sort of in the running because they've got some. They, they're not playing. They're not playing incredibly well. They drew last weekend. They're, they're obviously at the level on points at the top of the, the Bundesliga. Or they're not. They're, they're certainly not home and dry in the, in the Bundesliga. They, they, two points clear. They would have been. I think they would have been level on points if Dortmund hadn't thrown away a, a lead at the weekend. Um, so. It'll be interesting to see whether they trust him in that in that running period, or whether he, he remains in this sort of position of getting ten minutes, fifteen minutes here and there, or not not even coming on in games, and, and how that maybe influences his decision and the club's decision come the end of the season. The final one, I mean, just to, to wrap it up, is you talk about the players who are in front of him. And I'm, I'm thinking about the players when I can see why you might be looking at it because they're all take Thomas Muller aside, who's getting on a bit. They're all of an age where they're all no one's moving anytime soon. They're not losing Gretzka. They're yeah. not losing Kimmich. Kimmich. They're not gonna. They're not getting rid of any of the others. And also, you've mentioned with the sign and Conor Lyman as well. So, like, at some point, Bayern must be thinking of letting one of them go. I know Thomas Muller again, the, the, the age thing, but he'll he'll probably just retire there at some point and, and do something by Munich at some point. But he's even he's only thirty three. He's not going anytime soon. The fact that they they've, they've already agreed this Lyman deal, surely the numbers game suggests that they're gonna let somebody leave. You would think. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, there's obviously. Stories linking other players away, Sadio Mane being being obviously one at the moment. So, I, I don't think they're in a, a financial situation where Bayern are going to. Yeah, 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 possibly. Maybe maybe they feel that had they had an extra midfielder this season, they would they would have you know been competing with City in the Champions League better or or home and dry in the, in the Bundesliga. But yeah, I think I think it definitely raises a question. If if, if you haven't played when there's four midfielders at the club and now there's five, you know, of course it, it's gonna it's gonna play on your mind or it's gonna come into someone's thinking. Um but like I say, I mean he is a he is a twenty year old player and you know, Bayern maybe would that would be the point they would make is like, well you know, he, we didn't sign him for an old club quote, we didn't sign him for five minutes, we found him for five years, you know, yeah. he, he's got time to develop into a into a, the player that we need him to be. But yeah, from his point of view I can definitely see why he would he would look and think and go like where's my where are my minutes coming here? You know, do I want to play in the the German Cup, and you know, as I say, wait for a, maybe a, a dead rubber Champions League game, or you know, as I say, off the bench, 10, 15 minutes. Do I want to do that for another year? You know, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm losing out. You know, especially as some of his other players. I mean, by um, Ajax sold, 
a lot of players last summer didn't even, you know, think of Anthony, you know, getting good game time at Manchester United, obviously Lissandro Martinez before he got um his injury as well. You know, he's probably looking at a few of them and thinking, Well, hang on, like, you know, they've gone to big clubs and, 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 and sort of found found a place in the team. Why haven't I? Yeah, I suppose right. They also left a bit to go, didn't you? And even I, even then he still haven't played. So it's, it's an interest on really of of how it's going to yeah, play. So yeah, yeah. They've let him go on loan and Grand still hasn't played. So I can see why he's his agents on the phone to teams at this point. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll put we'll put a pin in that one and see how, how much it uh, of comes. Yeah, definitely definitely wants to watch. I think he, I think he's going to be a name that's going to come up a lot in the next you know couple of months. Do you feel like it could be one of those? Sorry, I, I, I like. He might have to kick up a fuss. You know, like, I'm not saying like go and put balls around in training and, and be that disruptive, <laughs> but like. If you want to go and they're not selling you and you're not playing, like at some point it is on the players yeah. to try and get out, isn't it? And and it's, been... not, it's not the nice side of footy to say that, but like we kind of half suspected this with Van Dyke at Southampton when he, he kind of yeah. he made that move happen essentially in the end. It, it does feel like maybe that needs to be the case where I don't know how that will go down at Bayern Munich, whether they just go fuck like not happening. Brighton held out on Casado when he was in the similar boat. So there's no guarantee it happens, but it feels like maybe I don't know. Would you do? Would he do that to buy? I don't know that as character. Yeah, but it I feels like I, it might be something like that. I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, he's spoken out. There's been a few times he's spoken out this season. I wouldn't say sounds a bit more dramatic than it is, but he's spoken and said he's disappointed that he's not been playing. That he's he's given interviews saying it hasn't worked out the way I, I hoped it has yet, or you know that kind of thing. So, of course, there's you know. International breaks coming up, and you you get those players. Maybe you give these explosive interviews, or or the quotes seem explosive, where he says, you know, yeah, I, I'd like to, I want to play, or I, I want to leave. You know, I think that that is a possibility. Um, but like you say, I don't know how. I think Bayern have seen a few players do that kind of thing, and I don't think they're, they're the the one who will go. Oh God, we, we better we better give him what he wants. You know, I think Bayern are a strong enough club and a in, in a strong enough position that you know. If they if they were set on a on something, I think they would be capable of sticking to it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, right then we'll put a pin in that one. I'm sure we'll be talking right about Gravenbitch again in the future. Thanks to Neil for that one. Hopefully you've enjoyed Journal Insights. It's my favourite show. I absolutely love doing it. Hopefully you guys enjoy it too. Right then, if you want even more Ryan Gravenbitch chat in your life, we've spoke to a Liverpool-based journalist. Who else should we speak to? I know, a German-based one. So yeah, Toby Eichel of Sport Build. He was actually the person who, I think, broke the story in Germany in the first place, what Liverpool's reported interest in the Dutchman. So yeah, he was this week's guest on Transfer Insight with Dan Club. You did a report um, last week about Liverpool holding a meeting with the players' representatives about possibly signing him. And within that report, you said that Jurgen Klopp has kept a close eye on his development following his move from Ajax to Bayern Munich, of course. Um, I wanted to speak to you first and foremost, Toby, about uh, how the player's done since he made that move, because it hasn't really worked for him, has it? Why do you think that is? Well, he didn't get enough uh, playtime. He's very angry about this. Um, he's not a, a patient guy. So I think he's very talented, a good player. But when he came to Bayern, he thought like he would be the the, the rising star or he would uh, get much more chance, chances from Julian Nagelsmann, who wanted him, and uh, also Hasan Zalihamidzic, the yeah. uh, like, uh, sporting director of the club. He, he wanted him very badly from Ajax. Uh, when he came, he didn't get too much uh, playtime. And like after the first four or five matches he didn't play, he was going very angry uh, mm. out of the stadium. Uh, he, he he was showing that he was uh, not happy with the situation. And uh, we all know that he wants to play more. And we all know that he's a, a big talent. So um, we don't really know why he doesn't get uh, much more playtime. And uh, it's uh, for me, it's clear. I can understand why other clubs are interested in Klavenberg because he's like a good uh, box-to-box player. He's young. He's very strong. Um, he can be a player for Premier League when you look at his uh, his body. Mm-hmm. And um, he wants to know from Bayern, will my situation change in the next season or not? Because if it's not changing, then he, he wants to leave. But Bayern, especially Salihamidzic and Marco Neppe, the technical director, they want to give him after one year to another club because they think he can make it at Bayern. He just needs uh, like uh, the, the self-confidence and a, a coach who, who trusts in him. Yeah, 100%. And you mentioned the coach there. Obviously, that coach has changed recently. Thomas Tuchel's now the manager of Bayern Munich. And I wonder whether 
he might fancy Gravenberg a little bit more because, like you say, he hasn't played enough football. Um, he's only 20 years old. He's a very exciting talent. And you mentioned some of his qualities there in terms of his box-to-box, -box, his physical presence, his his height, his ability on the ball. And Raphael van der Vaart, I actually seen just before speaking to you this morning, um, has commented saying that um, Gravenberg is better than Bellingham in every way. Um, whether he's been a little bit biased because he's also Dutch there, I'm not quite sure. But... He's made 27 times this season since making the move to Bayern. He's got one goal and one assist in that time. But he hasn't played 90 minutes at all in the Bundesliga, which is probably the most damning stat, I suppose, in many senses. On his quality, you mentioned some of the things there. What do you think his best attributes are? And also, do you think there's maybe a chance Thomas Tuchel might use him a little bit more between now and the end of the season? Well, you got to look at the situation in which uh, Tuchel came into Bayern. And that's not the time to like give a young player playing time because he had pressure from the first moment. He had the match against uh, Borussia Dortmund, which mm -hmm. was for the whole club very, very important. Yeah. And then you had the Champions League against the City, all those important matches. You, you don't use that kind of matches to give a player like playing time. Mm -hmm. that, that was the problem. So uh, I think that Tuchel is a coach who sees his abilities, Gravenbergs. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think that he's better than uh, Bellingham, although I don't like uh, Bellingham's uh, attitude on the on the pitch too much okay. because he's always like having discussions with uh, his teammates, with the referee, with even with the fans, with uh, his opponents. Uh, but Gravenberg, I mean, I can't tell you too much about him, how he would play or how he would develop because it's a pity I haven't seen it. Yeah. I mean, he played uh, a little bit more than, than 700 minutes uh, since his arrival at Bayern Munich. So uh, what I see and what I've seen in videos, I know that there is a big potential, but hopefully we will see this potential. I mean, if you look at, uh, at Sabitzer, I think he's doing a good job at Man United, but mm -hmm. that's because he, he gets the chance also because uh, Eriksen is, uh, is injured or was injured to, to play a lot of matches. I was I was visiting him, um, Sabitzer, some days ago in, in okay. Manchester. And his problem at Bayern was, he, he told me, uh, I, I never got the chance to play four or five, six uh, games in a row on my position. And mm -hmm. that's the problem with uh, Gravenberg. Yeah, well... this uh, experience. Then it will be a lot different, and you can see what he he's uh, able to do. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that the the lack of opportunities um, Graven Birch has had has obviously hindered him. He probably didn't expect it to be this way either. I think he went to Bayern thinking he was going to be a big major part and start in a lot of games, and it hasn't really worked out for, for various reasons. Bayern Munich being a very good football team, being one of the reasons, of course. Um, I suppose the biggest question, Toby, is you mentioned earlier on that the sporting director and perhaps Bayern Munich as a club don't want to sell him yet because you have only had him for 12 months. I think he cost 18 million euros there or thereabouts. It's like 16 million pounds. So there's probably a profit to be made if you were to sell him this summer, if you were Bayern Munich. But do you think if Gravenberg turns around the end of the season and says, I want to go, I need to play more football, do you think Bayern Munich will be open to that sale? At the moment, I think... Uh... Only if Tuchel says to uh, Salihamidzic, I don't need him for the next season and you uh, you can sell him because then, I mean, there's a lot of trouble for Hassan Salihamidzic at the moment, but what he has done exceptionally was like selling players. He is doing a good job in that. And if he would sell now Gravenberg, although he played only 700 minutes, I think uh, Liverpool would have to to pay much more than the 60 million pounds uh, Bayern paid Ajax. So that would be a, a chance for Bayern to, to gain money. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think uh, Zalihamidzic is uh, determined to to keep Gravenberg because it was like one of his players, one of uh, the players he and Marco Neppe were like having an eye on for a long time. Yeah. And uh, to, to lose Gravenberg right now or after the season would be like a, a, a personal defeat for uh, Salihamidzic and, and Marco Nepe. Cheers to Dan and cheers to Toby for that one. Moving on then, the last clip I want to bring you this week, it is from the deep dive. Yes, Chris Pajak and Josh Williams. That show 
is proven to be very, very popular. We put a free version out on YouTube each and every Friday evening, and then a second one on Redmen Plus for our amazing subscribers as well. So if you do subscribe to Redmen Plus, you get double dips, you get two of these amazing shows. Here is a clip from this week's Redmen Plus version of the deep dive. We were going to talk about which sections to do, um each person but we've forgotten to do it so we're just going to do it on the fly okay um we've not spoke about it at all uh, we were gonna we were gonna break it up and do a section each uh, but it is what it is josh um we're here to talk about why liverpool need european football next season and i think yeah. you know there's a lot of talk about well i wouldn't worry because we can have a run at the league and all that type of stuff i mean what's your overall feeling before we get into the numbers of whether liverpool do need european football or not um what's the fan in you say first of all I think obviously one Champions League that's that's a given. I think I would also take Europa League if you give me, but I would almost certainly drop the Conference League, and that's even based on what we're going to put forward here. Right. Because uh, I, I think although you get money for it and things like that, I think. When do they play it? Friday lunchtime. <laughs> it's 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 the same as the Europa League. I think in terms of that, but you're playing like, I don't, who are you playing with? You're playing the most random sides in the world. Like, you say that, but we played TNS in the Champions League qualifier. <laughs> Top yeah, one network solutions from <laughs> Wales, like you know what I mean. I know. The, the one thing that I will say for the um, for the Conference League that has got going for it is you're going to get some random aways. And if you go to yeah, aways yeah, in Europe, yeah. the random ones are fucking boss. Yeah. Um, like as as much as everyone loves going to Porto because you get to whoop them by a few goals every single time. It's nice to go and see different places. Yeah. And like for every, I've been to Porto twice to see us away. But I went to Red Star, and Red Star's well more like memorable in that in that mm. regard because it's just mad yeah, by yeah. comparison. So for all those like PSGs and the Bayern Munichs and the Barces and the Madrids that I've been to, the random ones are good as well. Like and to go yeah. to some different cities and mad Eastern European places would be pretty cool for an away fan. Yeah, no, I'm in, I'm in favour of the tournament. Like I think if you if you're someone like a Brighton or a West Ham or something like that, I think it's a sound competition for you on that. But I think from a Liverpool perspective, I think. No, oh, he's looking down his nose there, fighting any. <laughs> like, you know what he yeah. should be doing is looking up at him. <laughs> I know, yeah, right now at least, yeah. Can we have some of your players, please? <laughs> um, but I think, I think we, we would benefit more in terms of getting back into the Champions League, which we're going to show is where the money's at, by skipping that for a year, rather than competing in that and getting however many million, I'm sure you're going to get into it now, and then potentially next season only getting the Europa or, or something like that too yeah. no I, I see what you mean right? Oh, so, you? Um, I think from a fan's perspective you, I probably agree with the Europa and the Champions League where it's at mm. I think a lot of people would just sack the Europa League off but like yeah. the, the thing is like, the, the, like everyone says that but like the first six games of the Champions League are pretty shit <laughs> like the first I don't know how many it is 96 games of the Europa League is shit before <laughs> you get to the quarters or whatever it is Yeah. Um, once you get at the quarters stage in the Europa League, the Europa League is sound. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. fine. It's good fun, like. Yeah. Um, and it's got the best trophy. It has, yeah. Second, second And best. we haven't won it. Under club. Yeah. That's the there one thing go. we haven't won. And he's there you go. And he has entered it already. Mm. And it was at that final. Um, <laughs> it wasn't great. Um, so we're going to look at the Champions League revenue first and foremost for the 21-22 season. Uh, we've beaten finalists uh, in that one, of course. Um, it's the most up-to-date financial information. Swiss Rambo, where I've collated all this from. He's actually collated the information. I've just read his emails and his, uh, his <laughs> blog. Um, he's collated all the information. Uh, so you know it's right. It's not just me doing it. There'll be a random random wrong figure in there somewhere. Unless I've typed it down wrong, in which case, sorry, everybody, you're fucked. Um, and then we're going to look at the... Europa League revenue for 21-22, we're going to look at Liverpool's revenue for 21-22. So, to start us off, 2.7 billion is distributed from UEFA to all the clubs in all of their three competitions. 74% of that 2.7 billion goes to Champions League clubs. 17% goes to Europa League clubs. 9% goes to Conference clubs. So that's... 2 billion goes to Champions League clubs, 465 million goes to Europa League clubs, 235 million go to Europa Conference clubs. See, that is a massive, massive... You can probably underline that, to be honest. That, that's like a massive statement is to say, like, the Champions League is where it's at. That's where you need to be. That's why Arsenal, for example, the past couple of seasons, despite being out of it, have thrown so much money in the champion, in their transfer market at getting back in it. Because... 
for for two billion of two point seven billion to go towards Champions League clubs and the rest goes towards the two other competitions with a bar of Brazilian teams in by the way. Yeah, it's crazy. There's more is there more teams there's gotta be more teams in Europa League than the Champions League. Yeah, I, I suspect that there is, yeah. And yeah. the conference I've no idea well, how the conference works. No, I've got no idea. Just I should didn't know think I'd ever need to know, to well, be quite I sh- honest with I you. I should know, to be fair, but I don't. Um, so, um, right, let's go through it. Um, on performance in the Champions League, and that is the games that you play, mm. you can win a maximum of £85.1 million. In the Europa League, you can win a maximum of £23.4 million. And in the Conference League, fifteen point five. So this is where that my my one of my points stands, Josh. Is there's actually not that much difference in money between the Conference and the Europa League? Yeah. But there's a huge difference between the Champions League and the Europa. Yeah. So if you can win eighty five in the Champions League, twenty three in the Europa, fifteen in the Conference, it's actually not a bad thing to get that f- Conference because money wise, yeah, on what you get for the games that you play. There's actually only eight million quid in it, whereas there's sixty-two million quid between the Europa League and the Champions League. Yeah. Which is mad. So and how you get that? You get two point eight million for a win. Um you get nine point six million for winning in the last sixteen. You get ten point six million for winning in the quarters, twelve point five for the semi, fifteen point five million for being a finalist, the beaten finalist, and twenty million for the winners. So Liverpool got all bar four and a half million of that eight five point one million that season because we won all six of our group games. Mm. If you don't win and you get a draw, you get point nine. If you lose, you don't get any money for it. Well, I, I found that a little bit surprising. Uh, the group stage money that you're awarded if you if you just win your games. Liverpool obviously won all of their games, as you say, and I think that accumulates the total of about I think it was like eighteen twenty million. Sixteen point like eight million it was. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Just for winning your group games against like. I mean, I think we had a, quite a tough group, actually, off the top of my head. Did we have, like, Milan on there? Yeah, we had Milan in there. Oh, God. Josh, why? <laughs> why bring it up? <laughs> I, I remember Origi playing and <laughs> Phillips playing against Milan. That's about all of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but th- th- that's kind of the point. Well, think about it from a competition's point of view. Think about it if you're UEFA. Do you want teams sliding through on minimal effort? Mm. If you incentivise them going out and win, you get the better competition, don't you? Know, the best players playing in it, and that's what they want. What they don't want, and what Liverpool do, to be fair, in the Champions League, is they rotate in the Champions League because they think I'm up the league, a 90-odd point season with Manchester City where you can't le- yeah. lose. Whereas we did play Origi and Nat Phillips in the San Siro because we think we're better than AC Milan. But yeah. if, if you put so much money on a win, then it does beg the question of, actually, is it worth me? Because if we win this game, I might just start Salah. Because we get two point eight million quid for it. Yeah. Because you can go through on like ten, twelve points, can't you? But Liverpool won every single game and got what sixteen yeah, point eight. Well, I was going to say then. I think there's been there's been games in the past. I remember where we've been qualified and we've maybe had a big game on the weekend and people have been calling for like, you know, the kit man to start. It was when Jota got injured in the sixth game. Yeah, a couple yeah. Of years back. Yeah, I think Klopp gets slated for things like that. But when when you put it into perspective and think about it, it's around like what is it two million for a group game win? Two point eight. Yeah. Well, that that's that's a fair bit for. Pay a win just for winning one match <laughs> against Mental. against some like European, yeah, European minnows, really. Sometimes, <laughs> so there you go. Um, the other part of it is the UEFA coefficient plays a huge part in Champions League, and this is where it's really bad for you if you miss out on European football, Josh. Mm. In 2021, we ranked 13th in our UEFA coefficient, it's based on the last 10 seasons, and we got 22.7 million just based on the coefficients. Now, um, on what we're looking at, Chelsea were fourth with 33 million based on UEFA coefficient. That's because they won the Champions League in 2012 and they won the Champions League under Tuchel. So they got two wins in there. And they won the Europa League somewhere. And they won the Europa League as well. Yeah. Now that Champions League will drop off this next coming season. Okay. Because it's over 10 years and their coefficient will go down. Yeah. But this, we're, why we're not so high is considering we've won one, been to two finals. We had years where we were out of the Champions League, not building any any yeah, coefficients yeah. up. If we get, lose European football again for a season, that won't harm us just for next season not being in Europe the money. That'll harm the money we can potentially win in the Champions League for nine years following. Yeah. I mean, one Which thing, is mental. Yeah, it is, yeah. But I mean, one of the things I was really surprised about, though, I didn't, I still didn't think we'd be that low. Like, we're, we're beneath Man United there yeah. by a fair bit. And... Over the past 10 years, 
you're talking like around the time Ferguson left maybe um, in terms of a 10-year period. It doesn't feel like United have been better than Liverpool in Europe over that period. Liverpool, as you say, have, have, have won the Champions League, been to three or four finals in terms of like Champions League and Europa League. Um, Missing so, out harms you. Because yeah, you don't get yeah, any points. Massively, yeah. Yeah, and when it's only a 10-year spell and whatever the points are that you get, if you've got one year with zero, yeah. that fucks you up. Yeah, well, we did, didn't we? I think Klopp's first year was we completely out of it. Yeah. All the tournaments, was we? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Well, no, we, we, no, we, we, he, he came in and we went to the Europa League final that, that year, didn't we, actually? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we but in Klopp's the... first season, where did we finish? Was it eighth? Yeah. Eighth, yeah. So the following season, we had nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there was, there was something in there like that. But uh, it does hurt you, yeah. So there, there's that. There was probably 2012-13 when we weren't in European football. There was potentially 11-12, no European football in this as well. 13-14 when we finished second with Rodgers, yeah. yeah. We didn't have any. Cheers to Josh and cheers to Chris for that one. They are the absolute best in the business. What an awesome duo we've got. They are really, really flourishing in, the, in that show. I absolutely love it. I'm sure you guys do too. Like I said at the start of the show, if you want to go back and watch those shows or indeed listen to them all in podcast form, we're on the very same app probably that you're listening to this too right now, head on over to redmenplus.com, sign up as a club captain on a yearly subscription and yet you'll be able to uh, use that code weekly and get yourself a discount if it's not for you and maybe you just want to try it for one off well if you go over there you can sign up for a month as well and if you don't like it signed don't have to commit to the whole year you can just give it a little whirl and I'm sure you'll like it and if you're watching sorry if you're listening to this on Spotify if you search for Red Men Plus Podcast on your Spotify app you can directly sign up to Red Men Plus through there as well you pay Spotify you don't pay us and you'll get it in your podcast feeds as well. So there's two ways to get all this amazing content. I hope you do go and check it out. We've had loads and loads of people join us in the last week. It's been really, really nice to see that the content's getting well received. So get go and get yourselves involved. Join us. Go and listen to all those shows that you've just heard clips from and the entire back catalogue and everything that's to come as well, including the post-game stuff around Liverpool versus Nottingham Forest this weekend. That's enough from me. I'll let you all get on with your day. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to all that, and I'll see you next week. See you in a bit. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.